0: Welcome to the GDPR Weekly Show, one of the top five GDPR podcasts worldwide. Here is what's coming up in this week's episode.
1: Welcome to episode 137 of the GDPR Weekly Show. And coming up in this week's episode, we have news that British Airways has announced that it is going to start the use of COVID digital vaccination passports. Staying in the UK, John Whittingdale, MP, steps into the EU-UK data adequacy debate. And then we have news that Fatface, the high street clothing retailer, has had a data breach which he doesn't want to tell anyone about. We then have news that Royal Dutch Shell has had a data breach, the big petroleum company. And we then travel to Israel, where there has been a data breach of electoral voters' information. We then travel to Ireland, where the Department for Children has had a data breach. And then to Scotland, where the Transform Hospital group is facing legal action after a data breach. We then move to France, where Apple is being investigated by their regulator, CNIL, to see if Apple has been breaching GDPR consent rules. We then have an article to show how an impersonator has gained access to people's data simply by submitting subject access requests. And so we look at the importance of checking user credentials, before issuing information to them, even if they've submitted a data subject access request via a form on your website. We then move to Serbia and a very interesting legal case which centres on when is a data breach not a data breach. And continuing that theme, we then have an article on whether credential stuffing is actually a data breach. We then turn our attention to the charity sector here in the UK where charities are coming under increased focus from the ICO. And so we have some advice to charities on what you should be doing. And finally for this week, as things begin to return to normal after COVID, or at least the new normal, we look at what you should be doing regarding the implementation of GDPR in the new normal. So as always, a good mixture of articles for you this week. We hope you find the article useful and informative. As always, if you have any feedback for us, please email feedback at gdprweeklyshow.com. We do look at every single piece of feedback we receive and we use your suggestions wherever we can into improving the show. But unfortunately due to the volume of feedback we receive it's not always possible to reply to each piece of feedback individually.
0: Stay home, stay safe.
1: As things start to relax under the COVID-19 pandemic and as it looks like international travel may once again become possible, although obviously not in the really short term here from the UK, but hopefully who knows by the summer or certainly by the end of this year. British Airways has announced that it will be rolling out digital vaccine passports. Now, of course, the digital vaccine passport is a controversial idea, and particularly coming from British Airways, which, let's face it, doesn't exactly have the best reputation when it comes to data security. And of course, that becomes an increased issue with COVID vaccination passports because it is medical data and therefore special category data under GDPR. British at the moment are only releasing very sketchy details of what they believe the COVID digital passport will be able to do. It will also be interesting to see whether the government adopts the idea of digital COVID vaccination passports. Certainly, Boris Johnson has spoken on it a couple of times and seems quite keen on the idea. Grant Shapps seems reasonably keen on the idea, and so as the two people probably hold power over the transport industry here in the UK. It has to be assumed that a COVID digital passport, at least for the UK, may well happen at some time in the near future. However, of course, there's only any point having that digital passport if other countries are going to accept it, and that should be a much larger issue to try and solve. But when we receive more details, either from British Airways or from the government or indeed the EU, we will bring that to you in a future episode of the GDPR Vichy Show.
0: Want to ask GDPR questions live? Come and join our GDPR surgery on Clubhouse, Thursday, 4pm UK time.
1: If you're ready to listen to the GDPR Weekly Show, you will remember that a week or two ago we'd mentioned Oliver Dowden, the Secretary of State responsible for GDPR within the government, who made the statement of the UK wishing to make GDPR more, and as he put it, business-friendly and that set several alarm bells ringing in the EU, where at the moment, of course, they are considering the draft adequacy decision drawn up by the European Commission to decide whether the UK is an adequate country for GDPR purposes. This week, a fellow MP to Oliver Delden, John Whittingdale MP, said the government will make the case for removing unnecessary barriers to data flows where the significant benefits of growth and innovation are put at risk by more protectionist forces. And he was talking here about the UK actually giving adequacy status to other countries and jurisdictions for UK GDPR. Now at the moment, there's a limited number of countries for which the UK has given adequacy status for UK GDPR. They include most of the countries for which the EU has given adequacy status and also include Gibraltar, Jersey, and the Isle of Man. Now those of you listening carefully there will realise that there is no mention of Jersey in that adequacy statement. Now, whether that was just a slip of the tongue by John Whittingdale or whether Jersey has not yet got an adequacy statement is something which we are following up with the relevant government department. Mr Whittingdale went on to say, our objective is for personal data to flow as freely and as safely as possible around the world while maintaining highest standards of data protection. We have put our invitations to both Mr Dowden and Mr Whittingdale to come on to the GDPR Weekly Show and we hope that one of them will soon take up that invitation that we can interview them live here on air and you'll be able to hear their thoughts on the future of UK GDPR. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. A UK high street store and trading giant Fatface has had a data breach this week, but it doesn't want you to tell anyone about it. Fatface sent an email to customers disclosing that it first detected a breach on January the 17th, 2021. A hacker had made off with customers' name, email and postal address and the last four digits of their credit card. Full payment card information was not compromised, the notice said. The email went on to say, We immediately launched an investigation with the assistance of experienced security specialists who, following the thorough investigation, determined that an unauthorised third party had gained access to certain systems operated by us during a limited period of time earlier this month. But despite sending this email out to thousands of customers, Fatface in the email said to keep this email and the information included within it strictly private and confidential, which causes an entirely unenforceable request and frankly, given the size of Fatface and one would hope their knowledge of GDPR, one wonders what on earth they were hoping to achieve by trying to keep it quiet, other than perhaps trying to avoid reputational damage. Well, if that was the case, I think by doing what they've done, they've probably seriously backfired on that. As you might expect, it didn't take long for this to emerge on social media, and Fatface so far hasn't had much to say on it, just saying DM us with any questions. However, just before we went to broadcast, Fatface did issue a press release via communications firm Test CNC, which said, The notification email was marked private and confidential due to the nature of the communication, which was intended for the individual concerned. Given its contents, we wanted to make this clear, which is why we marked it private and confidential. Interestingly, The press release does not attribute this to any named individual at Fatface. It's also understood that a similar email was drawn out to employees of Fatface, which mentioned the same details as the email to customers, but also said that staff may have had their bank account information and their national insurance numbers compromised. When approached on this, Fatface confirmed that a select number of employees, former employees and customers were affected by the breach, but would not specify how many. We have contacted the ICO to check if they have received notification of this breach from Fatface and are waiting for them to get back to us. When we have any update on this, either from Fatface themselves or from the UK ICO, we will of course bring it to you in the next available edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. <laughs> Multinational oil and gas company Royal Dutch Shell PLC is the latest victim of a data breach related to a vulnerability in software from acellian Inc. In a statement issued last week, Shell said that the data security incident involved a Celian's file transfer appliance that it uses to transfer large data files securely. It said that the data access during a limited window of time included some personal data along with data from Shell companies and some of their stakeholders. Shell noted that there is no evidence of any impact on their core information technology systems since the file transfer service is isolated from the rest of the company's infrastructure. The statement goes on to say, Upon learning of the incident, Shell addressed the vulnerabilities with its service provider and cybersecurity team and started an investigation to better understand the nature and extent of the incident. It went on to say those affected have been contacted to address possible risks with Shell, also informing relevant regulators and authorities. We don't yet have any further details of the data breach, but whenever we receive these, we will of course bring them to you in the next available episode of the GDPR
0: Show. Want to ask GDPR questions live? Come and join our GDPR surgery on Clubhouse, Thursday, 4pm UK time.
1: To Israel now and in what appears to have been a ransomware attempt against the company, Electra Software Limited has announced that personal data on some 6.2 million Israeli voters were released shortly before this week's elections in the country. Some of the data, which includes residential addresses, phone numbers and dates of birth of registered voters, seems to have been taken from another breach that occurred last year but there are some data that includes full names and assigned voting locations, and that is supposed to suggest that the database was updated for the current election. The Times of Israel says a group styling itself the Israeli autumn claimed responsibility for the breach. Elector is described as a voter promotion system that is an aid in the the get-out-the-vote campaigns. It's associated to a large extent, albeit not exclusively, with the Likud party, and that association has been controversial, with critics complaining last year that Likud's and improperly shared data with third parties. While the incident appears to be motivated by ransomware, there's been some speculation that the goal may have been to embarrass Liquor to the detriment of its election chances. There will obviously be a further investigation into this, and whenever we receive a further update from the Israeli authorities, we really will speak to you in the next available episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. <laughs> to Ireland now, and the Department for Children has apologised after email addresses of 18 people who were inadvertently shared with other participants attending online consultation meetings about redress for survivors of mother and baby homes. And regular listeners to the GDPR which Show will know that we have updated you several times on this ongoing situation where survivors of those homes have been granted full access to the information that the government holds about them. In this particular breach, one of the people affected said she and others were Deeply upset and distressed by the situation. Laura Angela Collins said, The deeply sensitive nature of what people say in the meetings, participants' privacy should be the utmost importance to the facilitators and the department. Oak Consulting, which has been hired by the department to oversee the public consultation process, at a cost of €20,000, yesterday emailed the people affected to inform them of the situation. A spokesman for the department said that they wish to stress that the department and Oak are extremely committed to the consultation process. They went on to say we are deeply appreciative to all the individuals who have taken time to participate in the process. This incident was entirely inadvertent but nonetheless should not be occurred and is very much regretted. We fully understand the upset this incident may have caused to those concerned and we apologise sincerely for this. The spokesperson said the incident occurred due to an unintended error concerning a diary invitation generated by the Zoom platform for two online consultation meetings held on Monday the 27th of March. The invites were understood to have been sent out last Friday the 19th of March. A total of 18 individuals due to attend the two meetings on Monday were affected by the data breach. The spokesperson went on to say Oak understood that when generating a diary request the invitees would only see their own email address. Unfortunately, that was not the case. In order to be certain this would not happen again, Oak have ceased to this function entirely and all invitations for the remaining planning meetings have been issued directly from Oak on an individual basis. They added that the breach will be reported to the Irish Data Protection Commissioner. In an email to those affected by the breach, a facilitator from Oak says, it has come to my attention that due to a system error relating to the information for on my meeting, your email address was inadvertently visible to other people who were attending the meeting. This was a breach of your personal data protection rights and I sincerely apologise for this. We have rectified the situation to ensure that this does not happen again. A spokesperson for the Irish Data Protection Commission said we can confirm that we've received a complaint and are currently assessing it. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. To Edinburgh now, where a hairdresser is suing a health clinic after she feared that hackers had obtained intimate before and after pictures of her breast augmentation. 25-year-old Ava Spence visited the Transform Hospital Group Stirling Clinic in Scotland for breast surgery in 2019 after feeling self-conscious due to losing weight. While she was happy with the results of her treatment, she was mortified and soon after she was bombarded with scam texts and emails and she said she'd been informed in December 2020 and January 2021 that the group had been subject to a security hack. However, Transforms say no images of Ava were assessed and that there's no indication that any of her details were compromised. Ava said, Since been notified of the data breach in December of last year and again in January 2021, I'm really worried that my personal details are in the hands of hackers. Now the hairdresser is seeking legal action to gain compensation for the stress and anxiety caused by the cyber-attack. Thomas Hardwick, Director of High Street Solicitors, who are acting on behalf of AVA, said the hospital group data breach is an example of how personal data can be exposed due to weak data security handling. The lack of proper security measures or due diligence carried out by a data controller or data processor can have devastating effects on an individual's privacy and mental health. Organisations that are controlling and processing personal details must have robust processes in place to ensure incidents like this do not occur. For Transform, a spokesman said our IT systems were subject to a data security breach on the sixth of December 2020. We immediately notified the relevant regulations authorities including the National Cyber Security Centre, the Information Commissioner's Office and the Police and began a thorough investigation of the incident. We contacted all patients to inform them of the issue and to confirm that no card payment details were accessed. With regards to the patient in question, there is no indication that her details have been compromised and we can confirm that no images of her have been accessed. To France now, and the Commission on Informatics and Liberty, CNIL, which is France's equivalent to our ICO, is scrutinising whether Apple's first-party advertising practices comply with the privacy regulations in the European Union, i.e. if they comply with GDPR. Specifically, CNIL has indicated that the Apple App Store and Apple News may run foul of GDPR rules. In a statement, CNIL said Apple's advertising processing requires consent when it involves reading or data on the user's device. Apple's practices suggest a lack of consent collection. The case centres around whether Apple's app tracking transparency feature is anti-competitive. On March the 17th, CNIL and France's competition regulators both backed Apple's side in the case. According to the internal CNIL document signed by Agency President Marie-Laure Denny, the privacy feature is in line with GDPR rules. However, it appears that CNIL believes that Apple's own targeted advertising practices are another story. In this, CNIL suggests that Apple is not getting consent to collect user data. Apple, for its part, argues that it doesn't need to do so because it doesn't engage in tracking. CNIL indicates that Apple's definition of tracking may be too narrow. If it's confirmed that Apple does need to collect consent and that consent isn't properly collected, That situation would be a major breach of GDPR, Senior said. We will keep a careful eye on this as it obviously has widespread implications and we'll keep you updated in future episodes of the GDPR weekly show.
0: Want to ask GDPR questions live? Come and join our GDPR surgery on Clubhouse Thursday 4pm UK time.
1: A security researcher known only as HX01 has detailed how they were able to exploit GDPR laws through leak sensitive personal data from the systems put in place to protect it. Full-time bug bounty hunter HX01 detailed how they were able to gain access to personally identifiable information stored by various organisations, including Fortune 500 companies. HX01 said that many of these organisations are exposed to data subject access request vulnerabilities and exploits ranging from lack of email confirmations to a server-side template injection affecting multiple organisations, meaning that unauthorised attackers could gain access to private data. So to turn to the one vulnerability hso one found, which was unauthenticated data subject access request forms, data subject access request portals allow users to make changes to the data an organisation holds on them, which can be done on an online form. In some instances, unauthenticated users could submit a form asking for data to be removed or changed without having to verify themselves as being the data subject or given permission by the data subject to act on the data subject's behalf. This means that an individual's data can be modified by a impersonator who can also go as far as deleting the information on the account. The security researcher also detailed how an off-the-shelf data subject access request platform used by 6,000 organisations, including Fortune 500 companies, was vulnerable to server-side template injection attacks which could be used to confirm requests as a victim. Adding to this, companies accepting data subject access requests through email channels, would often process a request without vesting it, allowing an attacker to spoof emails on behalf of the victim and send a data subject access request due to a lack of email authentication. This meant that the request looked legitimate and were processed accordingly. What of this does do is highlight the importance of making sure that you have procedures in place so that when you receive a data subject access request, you don't just automatically provide the information requested, but you do take steps to validate that the person making the request is who they say they are or that they've been given explicit consent by the data subject to act on their behalf. If you would like training on how to do this, or perhaps you'd just like a review of your current procedures to ensure they would minimise the chance of this happening, then please do get in touch with us via the contact details which are coming up right now.
0: Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com or phone us on 0800 808 5312.
1: An interesting legal case arose in Serbia this week which related to when is a data breach not a data breach. What happened in this particular circumstance was that the data controller sent an email to a company it shouldn't have done given details of a data subject. Now that in itself is clearly a data breach. No no dispute on that. Under GDPR, it's a data breach if you send the details to the wrong person. However, the party receiving that email containing the details they shouldn't have seen then forwarded that email on to their own accountant. The legal case centred around whether that second email from the company which had received the email wrongly to their accountant was also a data breach, and therefore the second company was also liable for a penalty under GDPR. However, the court ruled that although the first leak of the data on email was definitely a data breach, the second action where the company receiving that email sent it on to their accountant was not a data breach, but was just straightforward data processing. And therefore, there wasn't any action to be taken on that. So it raises a real interesting question, because in my mind, at the moment that the email was forwarded on from the company who shouldn't received it to their accountant, the company that shouldn't have received it was in fact now, in effect, the data controller. And... Because there was no data to control or data processor agreement between the originating company and the company that received it by mistake, the company that received it by mistake could not be considered to be a data processor. Now, that's my personal view on on reading the law. This case has now been escalated to the European Court of Justice. It will doubtless be some months before it appears before that court, but when it does, we will, of course, update you on this ruling here on the GDPR Weekly Show. Continuing the theme of when is a data breach not a data breach, this time we look at credential stuffing. This is where users' details are effectively continually pushed into the address bar of a browser, into the URL, until they gain a result which shows some data. And this is important because what credential stuffing does do is effectively give the victim of the credential stuffing, i.e. the company which suffers the data breach, a... Clear reason why the data breach occurred which can help with public relations after the data breach has happened. Now if we bear in mind that surveys have shown that on average up to fifty percent of clients can stop dealing with a company if the company suffers a data breach without explanation, then it's obviously very important to try and gather an explanation of why the data breach occurred. And two large headline cases of this where it was credential stuffing are Zoom and Nintendo. So why is this important? Well, because there is another fundamental issue, and that is that there is an argument that says that a data breach shows the company's failure to protect its data, whilst credential stuffing shows the consumer's failure to protect their own data, and that data has then been used to gain access to yet more data. And then, of course, whichever way it's done, as soon as the bad actor gains access to the data, they go to work dissecting it and monetizing it. In the case of Zoom, credential stuffing has resulted in what is now known as Zoom bombing, where criminals and pranksters with stolen account credentials interrupt otherwise legitimate meetings and school lessons, often with nasty comments or, even worse, pornographic images. So what can a company do to protect itself against credential stuffing? Well, A, you can make it so that you post credentials rather than have them as part of the URL. And B, I think, is that each company does have a education piece to do to its own users. Particularly large companies should maybe have instructions on their website to users of recommendations of how to protect their data and maybe even third-party links to some anti-malware and anti-virus tools. So not only is the company providing information, potentially it could gain through affiliate links maybe some revenue from it. But it is a joint problem. Credential stuffing is a problem for both the consumer and the company being hacked. This is a complex subject and one which we will no doubt return to in future episodes of the GDPR Weekly Show. Charities and voluntary organisations are being urged to make sure their GDPR processes are up to date and in order. In a recent survey of data breaches reported to the ICO, and this was looking at 172 breaches which came from charities, Only 58 of those were due to cybercrime. The remaining 114 were due to self-inflicted accidents, such as, as we mentioned earlier in this week's episode, sending emails to the wrong recipients. But others were largely down to failing to dispose of computer hardware securely. And that's really, really important as well. When you dispose of your old computers, don't just think all you need to do is delete everything off the hard drive and then it's all fine because... If you just delete everything, a crook will know how to recover it. What you need to do is make sure that you securely delete the information on the hard drive. Now, There's two ways that you can do that. One is that you can purchase a specialised data destruction software, or you can use a third party to destroy the data for you. Or the final option, and perhaps the most radical, is to physically extract the hard drive from the computer and smash it to pieces which does have a certain satisfaction sometimes, but perhaps isn't the best way of disposing of the data. But it is very important that you do consider when you're disposing of your old equipment where it's going. Make sure you do use a reputable company to dispose of it for you. And it's important because charities are still receiving GDPR penalties from the ICO. They're not exempt from penalties, even though they may be exempt from the registration fee. And if we look at some recent examples, the British and Foreign Bible Society was fined £100,000, after the personal data of supporters was obtained by hackers in a data breach. And other charities have been fined include Oxfam, Cancer Research UK and the Royal British Legion, who have been fined between £6,000 and £18,000 for misusing information about millions of past donors for fundraising purposes in breach of the Data Protection Act. And, of course, as we continue to mention on Digital which show, because it is so important, don't just concentrate on the financial penalties. Think also about the damage that a data breach would do to your charity's reputation. And the final thing I want to say is, when you think about destroying hardware, don't just think about computers, think about those USB sticks that you have scattered around your office. A, hopefully you're keeping them securely locked away anyway when they're not in use, but B, when you've finished using those, do not just throw them in the dustbin. Even if the program using them says that they can't extract any data, you know, it's faulty, don't just think, oh well, I'll chuck that in the bin then. Make sure you dispose of those securely too. Now with a USB key, there is a very real benefit in just physically destroying the key before you put it into the bin. So think first when you're disposing of any computer equipment, however small, however unimportant it may seem, make sure that you either physically destroy it or that you use a reputable company to destroy it for you. And of course, all of this information doesn't just apply to charities, it applies to businesses too. Again, we will look to bring repeats of articles like this later in the year here on the GDPR Weekly Show.
0: Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com or phone us on 0800 808 5312.
1: And finally this week, with a view that things are gradually returning to normal, at least here in the UK, or at least the new normal, it's perhaps worth looking at that new normal because for a good number of companies and organisations, that new normal is going to mean a hybrid mix between people working in the office and people working at home. So someone might work in the office two days a week, they might work at home three days a week, or vice versa. That brings with it some GDPR implications though because you may well have carried out a data privacy impact assessment sometime during the last year on your employees working at home and what effect that had potentially on data you hold on your clients and patients. But even if you've already done that initial data privacy assessment, there's now a need to do a new one, because we're moving from working solely from home to working hybrid, and that has additional risks to data, which do need to be considered. It doesn't mean they can't be overcome, it doesn't mean they can't be mitigated, maybe even by just changes some procedures, but they do need to be considered. And so do carry out a data privacy impact assessment. And as always, if you need any help with that, please do just get in contact with us. We'd be delighted to help you. We've carried out data privacy impact assessments now for countless companies and organisations, and we're well-versed in how to do it. It doesn't take as long as you might think. It's not as expensive as you might think, but it does give you peace of mind. You might also think, and we're coming up against this increasingly in our clients, and I think it's a general feeling, that because people have been working at home for a year, even if they're all coming back to work in the office full-time, they might have forgotten a great deal about GDPR. And so it's a great time to have some GDPR refresher training. And again, we're able to offer that either on your premises once situations allow, so probably after the 21st of June this year, or at any time remotely online. And we can do that either live, so you have the benefit of one of our consultants giving you training live, so you can ask questions there and then. Or we do also have a pre-recorded course which is a lower cost option, but of course it doesn't give you the option to ask questions directly, although there is an option at the end of the course for you to enter any questions via an online form, and we will of course respond to you online to those, but you won't have the benefit of being able to ask questions real time.
0: Contact us on Helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com or phone us on 0800 808 5312. (laughs) The
1: GDPR Weekly Show is an insurance
0: production. Until next time, bye-bye.